have a Bible, you can open it up, or if you have your smartphones, you can open up to the Bible app and look up the Well Austin on there, and you should find the notes on there, at least the scriptures, or you can put this link into your browser, and it'll pull it up as well. This section in Timothy um, is Paul. He's talking to Timothy, and it's dealing with leadership, and uh, particularly some of some principles for Timothy as he's leading the church there. And I want to speak on this text, talking to you all as as a church, but primarily talking to those of you in the church that are leaders, or who aspire to be leaders, or maybe you feel like God is prompting you into some type of leadership in His church. Uh, maybe you're not in that right now, but maybe you feel like maybe God may be leading me in that direction. I think these things, uh, these thoughts will apply to you, hopefully. And I want to talk to us in general as well, because we all have a responsibility to represent Christ as leaders in our world. And our world, obviously, what we were just talking about, we need a lot of uh, men and women who are following Jesus today. We need uh, godly men and women, Christ-centered leaders And I think this text will help us in that if we can grab a hold of some of these thoughts that are in this passage. Uh, I think this text is relevant also because the well has a vision to send out 100 church plants and raise up 100 missionaries through this congregation in the next 50 years. You look around, you're like, hey, we're a little church here. That's a pretty big vision, right? I think that's a very exciting vision. That is a motivating vision to me. And I'm really excited that that is a vision, and I believe God can do great things and does great things through ordinary, average people, and that God can do this vision through the lives in this room if this church believes it. And it's not just Tory's vision or the elders' vision, but if this church grabs that vision and says, you know what, we want to see God do great things through our lives. We want to see God multiply our lives and impact the city, impact the state, the country, and the world for Christ. God will do that because he loves to do that. And he loves to take weak things and he loves to show himself strong through weak things and through weak people. We may all feel weak in this room. Oh, I can never do that. I can never plant a church. Or you see these guys that are overseas. Well, I don't know if I could ever do that. In, in your own strength, you may not be able to. But God is a great and powerful God. And I believe he can do great things through our lives if we yield to him and believe him for it. About a month ago, I was at a conference uh, and I was really encouraged. It was a pastor's conference, uh, and there were about 400 men in the room, and uh, there are other leaders in the room too, so there are a number of women that are in this, in this room. And, and I, I, I was there worshiping with these men, realizing that 40 years ago, I've been, my wife and I, Lindy, we were kind of been a part of a church that had a strong value on planting churches and raising up leaders. And 40 years ago, there was just a handful of men who hopped on a bus and said, let's, let's, uh, they, wrote, they read Acts and they said, let's do it. Let's do it. We're not doing it. Let's do it. 40 years ago. And then 40 years later, in a room of 400 men who are worshiping God, who are planted churches and leading churches all over the country and all over the world because of that hand, those handful of men decided that they were going to follow Jesus. 11 of them right there, I was looking at them realizing, you know, all of us, we were all in a college ministry together. And I was really blessed to be a part of a church that valued raising up leaders from within that church. And 11 of those men are planted churches or pastoring churches in different states or in Colorado still or have gone overseas. 
And just such an encouragement to see, wow, God can do great things through broken people. And a lot of those guys, including myself, we didn't know Christ. He transformed our lives. He gave us a vision that God wanted to use broken people's lives to touch other broken people's lives with the hope of the world, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God wants to do that through your lives, and I believe God will do that through your lives. And I hope some of these principles in this teaching today can uh, encourage you in that. Uh, let me just pray real, real quick. Lord, we, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the great things you can do through weak people, that you love to show yourself strong through weakness, and that you get all the glory. I pray here during this short time we have together, you would speak and help our minds be clear and help us hear this word and what you may want to say to the individuals in this room. I pray you would speak, Lord. We need you to speak. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to go verse by verse. Um, the first verse in verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, command and teach these things. So actually, this is in context of what we've been going through over the last number of weeks. Paul's giving a bunch of instruction, and he says to Timothy, Timothy, all that I've taught you, now you command and teach these things to the church. Right? Timothy was a younger man. Um, he was in a church. There would, been, there would have been older men. And he wants Timothy to have confidence that he should take these words and instruct the church in them. You're a leader, Timothy. Teach these things to the church. Instruct in these things. Don't shrink back. Don't be timid. Don't be afraid. Command them. Instruct the church in these things. And then he goes on in verse 12, and he says, Let no one despise you for your youth or look down upon you because you are young. But set believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So, Timothy, yeah, you're young. Yeah, there's other leaders around. You may feel weak because you're young. And there maybe there's other guys that have been around for a longer time. But, you know, Timothy, don't worry about that. Listen, what you need to focus on is just following Jesus. Timothy, be an example. Be an example in how you live. Be an example in how you love. Be an example in how you speak. Be an example in your moral purity and how, how you conduct your life and how your faith is. Basically, he's saying, Timothy, live what you teach, Right? I think we need leaders like this in our world today. Leaders that will not just speak it, but live it. And a, a person who's trying to follow Christ in Christian leadership is a person that is intended to and supposed to embody his teaching and follow the pattern of Jesus Christ. What it says literally in here, it says, Timothy, become a pattern in speech, in conduct, in love. Become a pattern for the believers. They may see your life and they may follow it. They may imitate it. And we hear this reflected in other parts of Scripture when Paul says to Timothy also, or to the, actually he says to the Corinthians, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says, follow my examples. I follow the example of Christ. He says, Christ is our example that we're to follow and, and pattern after it. And as I follow that, follow me. But if I don't follow that, don't follow that. Right? We're to follow leaders who follow Jesus. And if our leaders aren't following Jesus, we shouldn't follow them. Not just because they have a position or an authority, but because their lives are reflecting Christ. And that's what God wants for our lives as well. You know, most of us are imprint, very imprintable. Human nature, we're, we're, we're like little ducklings. You know, we imprint. And uh, we follow the, the, 
those who are around us. I don't know if you've ever heard the slogan that the Christian life is more caught than taught. There's a lot of truth in that. Right? We can talk a lot about these things, but the reality is, is that you've got to be see it sometimes. You've got to be around and experience it. You begin to catch it, and you begin to be changed by it, and others who are living it. I mean, we, we know that's true in, in, in the course of our normal day-to-day lives. The people we hang out, we kind of become like, right? You start to kind of talk like those folks. You're like, why am I talking like this? This is just like such and such, you know? You start doing the hand motions. You start saying the same jokes. You start becoming like those whom you hang around with. It's the it's normal, natural pattern for humanity. Why do you think there are so many beards in Austin? <laughs> right? We, we all think we're so unique. We got a beard, man. I'm so unique. No, there was one guy who was unique who got a beard. Actually, he wasn't very unique because God created us all with beards. But he said, I'm going to start having a beard. And everyone said, that's kind of cool. I'm going to have a beard. And we, you know, everyone's pretty soon, everyone's got beards. And that will be uncool someday. Well, it'll be cool not to have a beard, and then no one will have a beard. But we, we imprint. And so in the same way, he's saying, be, be that pattern. As a Christian leader, you're to be a pattern. Soren Kierkegaard, who was a Danish philosopher and theologian, said that Christianity is not a doctrine, meaning not a, just a set of ideas or beliefs, but an existence communication. The Christian faith is an existence communication. It is communicated by how we live, not just by our words. It's how we live. And when God touches a life, it transforms a life. And we see the reality of God in people's lives. It's not just an idea. When I was going into ministry, uh, my dad, my dad's not a Christian, but he said to me, he said, you know, Todd, one out of 99 people that you talk to you'll probably get them to read the Bible. I I, I hope that's more than that. But he said, one in 99 might read the Bible, but you know what? The other 99 are going to read your life. He said, live what you teach. Live what you teach. I want to be a man like that. I want to be a person that has integrity, and I believe we need leaders in God's church to be people that have integrity because I think where a lot of us are tired, and this world is tired of seeing leaders that don't have integrity. We don't want to see it anymore. We're ready for realness, authenticity. And that's what he's saying. Live it. Live it, Timothy. Influence the world by how you live. But then in verse 13, he says, Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. He says, live it, Timothy, but teach it. Live it and speak it. In elementary school, we call it show and tell. Right? Show and tell. Show it. Demonstrate it. But don't just demonstrate it, right? If you're in show and tell and someone shows, hang, holds up their little bunny, fuzzy bunny, and they don't say anything about it, you're like, okay, that's kind of cool, little fuzzy bunny. But then they tell you the whole story behind it, you know? They got to tell, they got to inform it, give context to it. And then it's cool. Wow, this great, cool little fuzzy bunny was their great-grandmother's in World War II and was passed on from generation to generation, and now it's theirs. Wow, that informs what you see. He says, preach it, speak it, tell it. Paul is strong in this. Actually, he writes Timothy another letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, I think it should be on the screen, but yeah, he says, I charge you. This is a strong command that Paul's giving Timothy. He says, I command you, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. I command you to preach the word. Proclaim Christ. 
Be ready in season, out of season, when people want to hear it, when they don't want to hear it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That's a strong command. Timothy, proclaim the word. Timothy, don't shrink back. In season, out of season. There's going to be a time when people aren't going to listen. When they don't listen, continue to share. He says to live it, but not just live it to teach it. And I think in the Christian life, sometimes we can have this pendulum swing. We're like, you know, no, everyone thinks we're all hypocrites. So we swing back. We just got to live it. We just got to live it. We got we to gotta walk like Jesus and be like Jesus. And we got to win people's uh, respect by how we live. But then, you know what? Our mouths get quiet or we're afraid to share because of the issues in culture that we're, we're maybe nervous that we're, to say something that we're going to get judged by or we don't want to be misunderstood. We don't want to be slotted in that category of what Christians are like. And I can understand, actually, when I first became a Christian, I didn't tell anyone I was a Christian because I didn't want anyone to think I was a Christian because I didn't like what Christians were. But we've got to be proud of who we follow. We've got to be proud, man. We follow the greatest man who ever walked on the planet. He's our Lord. He's our leader. He's our model, which he, our example, which we are to, to emulate and love and serve. He has the greatest message of reconciliation. Our world needs a message of reconciliation. There's lots of division, but who has the greatest message? It's Jesus. He didn't just say it. He lived it. He showed us how to do it. He showed us that you're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to lay your life down for the sake of your, for others who are different than you because I did that for you. And that's the way that you can have reconciliation. And we've been given that ministry. We've been given that message. Live it. Teach it. Live it. Proclaim it. But it's easy to shrink back. It's easy to get nervous. And I know. When I um, moved back from Amsterdam, we were in ministry for a long time, living in the Netherlands. See this thing's falling down. Uh, I ended up in Asheville, North Carolina. And uh, we moved there for a ministry position. The money fell through. There was no... Uh, money to do it. We already had moved there, and then they told us that we were, they weren't going to pay us for it. So I was like, hey, great, thanks. Um, so I had to get another job. And I'd been in ministry for a long time, and I was a bit insecure to moving into a workplace. I was trying to find a job, and I couldn't find a job. And I just started calling through the phone book. I was like, hey, are you hiring? Are you hiring? Are you hiring? So if you want to find a job, that could be a, a good way to do it. And uh, so someone said, actually, we are. And it was this gardening and farming store. So I said, you are? He said, yeah, come in tomorrow. I said, oh, okay. So I, I, I went into the store, and they're like, yeah, fill out this application. They looked at it, like, okay, you're hired, come in, you know, in a day or whatever. I was like, seriously? I had done some uh, community-supported agriculture stuff, so I knew a little bit about farming. But I didn't realize that this store was founded as a hydroponic store, not as a gardening and farming store. So you know what they grow with hydroponics, right? It's not really stuff that you eat, okay? <laughs> yeah. So I just all of a sudden was thrown in this, and I was like, oh, man, this is a different world. I didn't realize what I was getting into. All the guys that I work with are all into growing you know, hydro stuff, and, and I had to learn how to sell this stuff. I had to learn how to grow big tomatoes and big cucumbers and 
uh, guys come in, hey, man, I want some bigger flowers on my tomato plants, and I had to like help them to do that, and so it was an interesting environment. But I was really kind of insecure, like I'm coming in this environment, I'm a Christian, what are these guys going to think about me, and, and you know, I've been in ministry for so long, and I actually was quiet about my faith. I said, you know, I'm going I'm to follow Jesus, I'm going to live an example here, but I was quiet. I wasn't honest fully with who I was or what I believed. And one day I was praying, and I was praying to the God for my workers, and as I was praying, God just pressed on my heart, one, that they're not going to know unless you say something. It's like, oh, okay, Lord. And then a real strong impression that, you know what, Todd, you actually you're not being honest with who you are. Oh, Lord, you're right. I'm not being honest with who I am. It's not just what I believe, it's who I am. I'm a child of God. He's my Father. He's who I love and worship. He saved me. And he has a good message for the people I work with. So the next day I went into work, and I, my boss and I were in the warehouse, and I was really convicted by this. I said it to him, I said, hey, Mike, uh, man, I got to tell you something. Uh, he said, I said, this is a little bit weird, but I was praying yesterday, and I felt real strongly that I, I, I just hadn't been really honest with you. And his eyes got big. You know, I think he was a bit worried that I had done something bad. And uh, I said, no, man, I, I, uh, I just haven't been honest with who I am. And, and share my story with you. Because they didn't ask for any history. I worked there for a few months, and no one even asked you questions about your life. I don't know if you ever get that. I ask lots of questions of people. I want to know about them. But I'm working in this environment. I'm like, no one ever asks questions about me. I can't even. It's just weird. They just like to talk about themselves all the time. So I just share with him. I say, hey, Mike, this is my story, man. And I, I shared all this stuff. And I said, hey, I was overseas as a missionary and doing this and that. And, and he, his eyes were wise. And he couldn't believe it. He's like, wow, it's amazing. And I shared all this. And he said, man, at the end of it, he said, you know what? I really respect that. I really respect your faith. And he said, actually, you know, we all know you're a Christian. And I said, you do? Said, yeah, yeah, man, we all, we all know. And he said, we all respect you for it. I said, really? And it just opened up conversations from that point on, that I got to have lots of conversations with him. I got to share, I had Bible studies with some of the guys through that. And it just opened up these conversations. But I had to step into that place. And God taught me a lesson not to shrink back, but to have confidence to share and be, and be proud of who I follow in my workplace. All right, I'm going, I'm going off on that one for a little while. I think it's important because I think it's easy for us to shrink back. It's easy to pre preach the gospel from the pulpit. It's hard to share it in our day-to-day -day lives. But as a believer, as a leader in the gospel, God, God calls us to that. And Jesus was our example in that. Live it and proclaim it. So in 1 Timothy, in chapter for it goes on, it says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of the elders laid their hands on you. We don't know exactly what this gift is. It's not really ever explained. But we can kind of assume it probably has to do something to do with teaching or pastoring or proclaiming because it's kind of in this context of teaching. And so I think, but I think the principle is don't neglect your gifting, right? You've been given something. God has given you something Live it, uh, use it, use what God has given you, Timothy. He's saying live it, teach it, and use the things God's given you. Develop these things because right after that, in verse 15, he says practice these things. He says immerse yourselves in them or give yourself wholly to them so that all may see your progress. His Timothy, do these things, dwell on these things, live in these things so see what people may see you develop. They may see you grow. 
And I think that's an important thing of equality for a leader is that people see the leaders growing too. They're not just the guys, people who've arrived and, you know, they, who've, who've made it, right? They, but people who are developing and growing. Robert Clinton, or they call him Bobby Clinton, he's written a number of books on leadership. And he studied a thousand leaders, right? They're Christian leaders, some straight out of the Bible, some from history and some modern day leaders. And he wanted to see what causes a leader to finish well, to make it to the end. And he noticed that of these thousand leaders that he was studying, sorry to say the statistic, but only 30% of them made it to the end. 30% finished well. So he said, what is it that causes someone to finish well? And he said, he found six different um, principles or things in their lives that help them to finish well. And one of those was to maintain a learning posture, to maintain a learning, humble learning posture. He says, those leaders who plateau, they stop learning, they think they've arrived, they go kind of on maintenance mode, autopilot, they, they don't make it. They get burned out, they have a moral failure, they just, they don't make it. But those who came at humble learning posture made it to the end. That was one of a number of qualities. And I think about that in my life. I say, you know, I've been following Jesus for 20 years, and it's like, it's kind of like marriage. It's like you're married to someone for a long time. You start to, you kind of know how to do it in a way. You know, it's like it's not so, it, it's, it's still got its challenges, but you kind of, you, you can kind of, you know, you can do life together. You can, you can get along. You know, you've, you've maybe gotten over all the bumps and the humps and stuff. And you kind of get on a maintenance mode with your relationship with your spouse. That can happen. Uh, but I think that happens with our relationship with God, too. We just kind of, oh, you know, God's there. I can kind of do this thing. Maybe it's not as hard as it used to be. I kind of can, kind of can roll with it. And we have to push ourselves to develop, or we just plateau in our relationship with God. How does God want you to develop? What are the giftings God's given you that He wants you to grow in and pursue so that others can see your growth? You know, God's equipped you in a certain kind of way. What are those things that you can? pursue to grow in and make intentional effort and steps towards so that you can develop. I have to do this in my life. God's given me a heart to share the gospel, and, but sometimes I can get apathetic in it. So recently, I set myself a goal to say, hey, I'm going to go out three times a week to engage people sharing the gospel. I want to grow in it. I want to learn. I want to develop. I want to make disciples, but I have to push myself or else I get into uh, too much of a comfort zone. And that's, I think, what the principle of what he's teaching here as leader, in leadership. Then he goes on in verse 16. He says, Timothy, to keep a close watch on your, yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So yes, Timothy, you're a shepherd. You're to watch your flock, but you're to watch yourself. You're to watch your life. You're to watch your teaching. If you continue watching your teaching, if you continue to watch your life, if you persist in it, you will save not in eternal salvation, but you will save your hearers from their faith being shipwrecked and your faith being shipwrecked as well. And we know there's so many leaders who shipwreck their life, right? I talked about this last time I talked. Paul's giving us the key to success. Watch, keep watch, keep watch. Don't stop looking at your heart. Don't stop watching your life. When I think about watching your life, I think a lot about the heart because it says in Jeremiah 17, 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things. It can lead us astray very easily. And in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the springs of life. The heart is a very important thing. 
And the heart is very tricky. And the heart can lead us away from God. The heart can love all kinds of things. And we can think we're going from God, for God, but our heart may be a little bit off course. But over 20 years, that, course gets, that gap gets wider and wider. We've got to watch our heart. We've got to guide our heart. We've got to instruct our heart. We've got to lead our heart back to Christ. We've got to search our heart. What, is, what are the affections of our hearts? You ever ask yourself that? God, what is the affection of your heart? What do you love? What does your heart love above all things? What do you desire more than anything else in your heart of hearts? What do you want? That is a good question. Sometimes I pray, I talk to God, and God challenges me with that question. Todd, what do you want? Oh, what do I want? What does my heart want? What do I desire? And I have to search that heart because that heart could be like, I desire people's approval. That's what I want. Right? I just want to be successful. That's what I want. I don't know what your heart wants, but something you can want something that's other than Jesus. It's other than his love. It's other than his good news and his gospel and his salvation. And we have to watch it. Where is our heart at? What are we loving more than Jesus? What are we spending our time with more than Jesus? How much media do we give ourselves to other than, and, and on the contrary to prayer and reading his word, how much are we on social media? How many movies are we watching? How much energy and time are we giving to these things apart from developing ourselves in God and pursuing God and seeking God and knowing God and knowing his word? How's our marriage? How's it going? Watch these things. We've got to watch them. Impurity. How's purity going? This is a big one. This is one that's snaring so many people right now because there's an epidemic right now in our culture in the area of purity. I mean, epidemic proportions. It's like an onslaught. And we're all impacted by it. Do you know every second, 28,258 internet users are viewing pornography every second? Every second. Every hour, $10 million are spent on pornography. Every year, $13 billion in America. 68 million searches a day. 25% of the entire search engine results are for pornography. This is unbelievable. And it's snaring men. It's snaring leaders. It's it's, it's, It's causing men not to develop or stand up. It's stealing the strength of men. And we're all easily susceptible to it because we've got basically pornography stores in our pockets if we want to. And it's very, very hard. Watch your life, Timothy. Watch your life. Watch your life, Timothy. You can be snared. You can shipwreck your faith. You can shipwreck others' faith. Be accountable. Watch it. And watch your teaching. But you know what? When your heart goes astray, your teaching goes astray too. Watch your teaching. Are you teaching the gospel? Are you staying focused on Jesus? Are you staying focused on the grace of God? He charges Timothy with this. And I know that there's a great vision for the well here to plant 100 churches and raise up 100 leaders to be missionaries. And I think to do that, it's going to take a lot of leaders, a lot of leaders who say we're not going to compromise on this verse. This is a key to doing it a key to being persistent, persisting in watching your life. Not year after year after year after year, week after week, month after month. These things, they creep in, man. They creep in. Our heart goes all over the place. My heart gets led all over the place. They creep in. We got to refine ourselves and re, re, repent and turn to Jesus regularly, daily. 
because my heart is deceitful. I got to watch it. I got to watch it. But God has great amount of grace in these areas, and he can give us success and victory to do this work, and we don't have to be discouraged because he is our power, because he can give weak vessels great amount of strength, especially if we're being accountable with each other, and leaders need to be accountable. You got stuff going on in your life, man, tell a brother, tell a sister, say, hey, uh, sisters tell sisters, brothers tell brothers. You know, I need some help, support, because I want to watch my life. I don't want to be taken out. I need your help. Let's help each other. Then in chapter 5, he changes his thought a little bit, but I think it relates. He starts to go in a different direction for instructions for the church, but let me, let me share this and I'll wrap up. In verse 1 and 2, he says, Timothy, do not rebuke older men, but encourage him, encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. In all purity. One, the church is a family. Timothy, the church is a family. The church is a family. It's the household of God. Timothy, you're not better. You're not in a position. You're not, you know, it's a CEO. You're a part of the family. A leader is part of a family. He says, you know, they're going to be older men. Timothy, you don't, you don't lord it over those men and rebuke those men. Man, you teach them as, you treat them as fathers older women as mothers. You honor them, respect them. And you know, the, the younger men, you don't te- treat, them as, or treat them as sons, like you're the father. You actually, you treat them as brother. You come alongside them. You walk with them. You encourage them. You're th- you are their brother in Christ. There is one father overall. Younger women as sisters in all purity. The household of God is to be a pure household. Timothy, don't use your leadership to manipulate women. Treat them in purity. We ought to treat one another in purity in God's household. Some of us didn't have homes that we grew up in, that we had the blessings to have purity in our homes. But God wants his church to have purity. He wants us to come into his church and that we can treat each other with love and dignity and respect and honor each other, men and women. Women can come here and feel safe and not like they're going to be taken advantage of or be seen as someone to just get for themselves. But we have a, a, a culture of love and purity in his church. That's what he wants. That's what God wants in his family. And, and that means that we're brothers and sisters, but all the way up until you get married, something changes when you're married and you become husband and wife. But prior to that, we're, we're brothers and sisters. Even when you get engaged, you're still brothers and sisters, and God still wants purity in that. When you get engaged, something changes. God becomes not only your father, he becomes your father-in-law. And so you've got a little different responsibility there. <laughs> To love this woman, not just as a sister, but as a co-member, as part of you in a married covenant relationship. Leaders are part of a family. I think this is what this means. Leaders are part of a family. And Jesus is our ultimate example in it. He said, I've come to make a family. I came to take you who are far away and bring you near. He set an example by how he lived. He preached and proclaimed the gospel He used the gifts that God called him to use. He persisted in his life. He never sinned, and therefore he did save his hearers. And he treated everyone 
as brothers. He called us, the scripture calls, saying him calling us brothers, friends. And that's our ultimate example. And I pray and I hope that the well, that you all, we all can strive towards that example as we believe God to do great things through this church, that many churches can be planted and many missionaries could be raised up and that God would use many of you in this room right now to do that. It would be exciting to be sitting in a room 20 years from now and being like, man, look at what God has done. You know? Look at what God has done. Out of this just small group of people, look at what God has done. Look at how the world has been changed. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and the instructions that Paul gives to Timothy and the instructions that are for us too. These are good instructions for our lives. And God, we, we thank you that you set the ultimate example for us and how you lived your life and how you had integrity and how you served people and how you were the ultimate servant leader. You're the ultimate lover of men. And you're also courageous, you're also bold, you're also strong. You also proclaimed the gospel. You weren't afraid, you didn't shrink back. And yet you were gentle, and you were caring, and you welcomed children. You are what a wonderful example. I pray, Lord, that this church would walk so intimately and closely with you that we would represent and reflect you through our lives, not because we're just trying to pattern and example, but because we walk closely with a God who lives in us and with us, and that your life would rule and reign in and through us to the community around us. And I pray, Lord, that you would multiply this church, that you would raise up leaders, you would raise up missionaries, you would raise up pastors, you would give men and women vision in this church for their lives, for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for the purposes of Christ, that all nations may hear the gospel, that all nations may become disciples. We pray for the nations, Lord. We pray for all men and women to know and hear the great message of God's love and salvation in Jesus. That all nations would know the reconciliation of Jesus Christ. We pray that for our nation. We pray that for the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are going to come down and they'll have some baskets. You can, if you have um, offerings, you can put it in there or you can put your communication cards in there. And then we also have four stations where uh, communion tables are set up.